If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and today I'm with Lee Connolly, the skinny jean gardener, who's a schools gardener. And uh, I think it's the first time on a podcast we've had uh, a gardener who has specialised in schools gardening. And Lee is also a very successful podcaster. So this is another sort of gamekeeper turned poacher or poacher turned gamekeeper. What is it, Lee? Is it something like that? Poaching, gamekeeping? What's the what's the phrase? I've never you you're the one that said it. I've never heard of it before. I I, I never use references anything to do with poaching, but you know. It must be a phrase you. I'm completely making up. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you're the skinny jean gardener, but you know, skinny that uh, skinny jeans still are still in. If skinny jeans become unfashionable, what, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to change your name to, or, or will you? Well, it's funny, Matt. I've been asked that since I started ten years ago, and uh, I'm still wearing them. So there you go. I don't know. I don't. I couldn't wear another type of jean anyway. I don't think unless I get. I don't know to your age. I don't know, but um... <laughs> I, I used to wear skinny jeans, Lee. You know, in the in the eighties, you know. But uh, yeah, not you any... should try it again, mate. You should. I'll, I'll send you a pair. I, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Actually, I think I can still get away with it. I honestly, I love, I love. You know, I don't wear any other type of jeans to garden in. Do you know, look good, feel good. It's all about that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now. Um... Another another um, bit of an icebreaker, like um, you recently um, applied to be um, RHS Director General, um, a bit of a left field candidate, but how did that go? That sounds like a start of a joke, doesn't it? But, and it was, it started as a bit of a me just saying something and finding it funny, but the more I got into it and the more I actually got into the process of writing out a CV, doing all of the questions that, are, that come with it and actually applying for it, I thought... Do you know what? I, I actually think I could do a lot of good becoming 
the Director General of the RHS. And the more I got into it and the more support I had behind me, I thought I could do it. It it didn't quite work out like that, Matt. And it's a shame because I really do feel... And, and don't get me wrong, I don't know who they've chosen for the new RH, RHS Director General. Do you? Um, I don't. I could have a good guess, but uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, not. It's not official. Wow, I I think it could do with a bit of young blood, and maybe they've gone for that. I don't. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. But um, I, I had some great ideas which I really thought could um, push the RHS forwards. And you know, like we all do, we all have our own opinions on stuff and how how different organisations could work better. But but yeah, so um, it was an experience, and I, I enjoyed the process of it. And uh, you know, not this time, maybe. Maybe uh, give me another ten years on it, and uh, we'll have another go. So what did the rejection letter say? They said, that, to be fair to them, right, they gave me a call and they said that they were looking for, they loved my ideas and they loved uh, my creativity and everything towards it. Sure, of course they did. But uh, they needed someone that had looked after more than, I mean, since I've been doing this job, the most people I've been in charge of, it's probably about five people. They're looking for someone that can look after about a thousand people. I think I could have easily done that. But obviously, um, they didn't. So uh, for now, I think uh, we'll leave it. And in 10 years' time, we'll have another go and uh, and see what we can do. But I always think if you want to change an industry, you don't just sit there on Twitter moaning about it. Go and do something about it. So um, so that was me trying to get in there and, and change things about a bit. No, we were behind you, Lee. But apparently, you needed to be able to um, you know, to have already run a hundred million pound organisation, which rules out anybody in horticulture. So I would suggest that the person who is going to be RHS Director General will come from a big business, for instance, someone like Unilever, and have a bit of a marketing background. But yeah, sure. I... well, if they want, just to put it out there now, Matt. Right? If they want anyone, like maybe I could be Creative Director. That's fine. If they want to put me in that position, oh, I'm here. No, I think you could shake it up. Uh, what, what what were your ideas? What were you going to do? Um, we were going to put um, five smaller uh, size, almost um, e- easy accessible RHS gardens around the country, a lot, a lot smaller, a lot cheaper to get into and a lot more accessible um, for people which might not be able to get to them. Um, we were going to double the uh, amount of members because I think we could quite easily do that. We've got a lot more gardeners on board since uh, lockdown and, and all that stuff, which we could definitely tap into. And um, I can't remember the other stuff we talked about. There was a lot of different things that I think, oh, here's one of them. This is one of them. This is a little pet hate of mine. Um, I'd actually turn uh, Hampton Court Flower Festival into a festival. Yeah. You can't rather than just calling it a name and getting some bunting, I'd uh, I'd actually uh, turn it into a festival. Do it properly. No, I mean that five small gardens. That's something that Tom Stewart Smith sort of talked about, and he's you know very you know very respected by the RHS and uh, doubling the talent amount of members yeah i don't see why not i mean the rhs is desperately keen to get the same number of members as the national trust which would mean 10 times the members but it could happen um yeah and Hampton, and festivals garden shows becoming festivals yeah i mean you know that's the way to get get the get the youth in isn't it the, but anyway anyway we're talking of youth right yeah your your core business is schools and you've got a schools gardening success plan and you've become very well known with your you know school gardening um efforts so can you tell us a bit where that's at at the moment because you know my kids um they haven't done much school garden in the last couple of years because of 
COVID and the garden's been sort of overgrown. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, blowing my own trumpet, but I'm incredibly proud of it. Do you know what I mean? Just when I first started this children's garden thing, you never know where it's going to take you. And uh, and just before we had the lockdown a couple of years ago, I went on tour and I I, I got ten thousand children gardening in a in an awesome campaign. It was great. Uh, but one of the things I realised, Matt, was that uh, I was going around the country. We did one week, ten thousand kids all gardening. And it looked amazing for the brand that sponsored us for it. And they got them shots of me looking like Jesus on the back of a, a pickup truck, truck chucking seeds at children. But what actually happened was I, I left those schools and kids with a load of seeds and a load of products. And then the teachers then had to try and find some way of bringing it into their classroom or, or making something into the, in the garden. And halfway around that tour, I realized I'd actually become part of the problem. Because even I was going around these schools and they were showing me their gardens and they were, you know, saying, oh, what could we do with it? And on the side, next to the windowsill, were another campaign um, with some cups full of dry soil and some dead plants in them. And it just proved that those sort of things are great for promoting school gardening, but not actually supporting it. So uh, over the year, we built something called the School Garden Success Plan. And basically, it gives all of the the right products, the right uh, equipment to the school, to the class. And then we give the lessons for the the uh, children to go through. So it's a video lesson, and then they go and do the lesson themselves. And the most important thing for me, Matt, was that teacher support. Because when I was going around um, these schools, the, there's a lot of passionate teachers out there who uh, really push school gardening and really make it happen and then there's schools that don't have them heroes at 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 school and and the schools that do have them heroes when they they leave then the the school garden sort of just dies really and 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 it's just left to the side so what i wanted the school garden success plan to do was support those teachers which knew the benefits of school gardening and understand like the mental health side of it, which is brilliant for children. The kids learning how to grow. The kids learning to look after their environment. They knew all them positives from it, but didn't know how to actually implement that in the classroom. Um, so what we really are doing with this is really supporting the teachers. And we have uh, like a team of people who are just ready to go to answer the teachers' questions whenever they come in to make it as easy as possible for that class to learn how to grow their own and care for wildlife uh-huh. so uh, i'm really excited about it oh, i love all that that's brilliant as an ex-teacher i think you you know you're spot on there but so where, where are you at with it now what 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 are you doing with i mean obviously january is not much gardening going on at schools at the moment but i guess in the run-up to easter you'll be getting fully back into it kind of post-covid maybe you know what, what where are you at now yeah definitely we're in a good point now where you know we're coming out of of the covid thing a bit um Last year we were filming all the lessons and they're all ready to go on the plan. This year is very much like getting it around the country. We, we're looking, our mission is to get every school a school gun success plan, every primary school that is, by 2025. And that's 30,000 schools that we want to get into by 2025. So we're we're really on the push now to make that happen and make it easy. And, you know, that's 30,000 plans and that's one plan in each school. But the idea is that each class will have one of these plans in the future. So from the time they go 
in at uh, early years all the way through to year six they'll have that school gun success band so they won't even by year six they won't even need to watch the videos they'll already know that this is the time of year to plant up their pumpkins this is the time of year to sow their seeds this is the time of year to go and make sure the birds are well fed uh, as it gets a little bit colder right. and so that's the idea of it we want children to go into secondary school knowing how to garden and, and look after our wildlife now the secondary school thing is interesting because my older kid has just started secondary school and if i say to him come down the allotment now he's like oh god you know how do you how do you do that how do you get this secondary school kid into it i think to be honest with you and i'm asked that quite a bit because obviously i really concentrate on primary school uh teaching mm. but i really think that if you um get that into a child's mind early in primary school by the time they go into secondary school if they really want to do it or if it really is put upon them that they can come down to the allotment then that excitement is already there from from past experiences like for me when i was at school we did no gardening at all. No no gardening in primary school, no gardening in secondary school. Nothing at all. I think if I had done gardening in primary school, when there's a little bit more time and a little bit easier to get into curriculum, then by secondary school I might have been a bit more interested in doing something like that and it might have been a bit more, in inverted commas, cool. No, I mean, it's not It's not as bad as I make out with my kid. He loves going down there with um, some secateurs or with some matches. But that's, uh, that's the way to get get little boys into it, I guess. But you know, obviously, it's under under close supervision. Now, Lee, you're working with barley. Tell us about what you're doing with barley. Yeah, this is really exciting because um, obviously, I really feel as a industry, we all all push for the same thing. But sometimes we don't always work together very well in different organisations. And I really, really wanted this to be a a plan which any organisation could be part of and, you know, Bali and, and Go Landscape are absolutely perfect. Um, it's an absolutely perfect partnership for me because we talk about careers and children going into gardening and horticulture when they leave secondary school. And, uh, and when I started speaking to, to Stephen and the team at, at Bali and Go Landscape, it was very much like that's obviously what they do. That's what they promote. And we can do that from primary school. So when children do go into secondary school, it's in their mind that there is, a, there could be a job at the end of it. Like I, I never knew, again, going back to my own past experience, I never knew that you could even have a career in horticulture or even be a gardener as a job. Like I thought that was just something that you do when you retire. I, I had no idea. So I've got a child, I've got a, a daughter in primary school and I want her to know that if that is something she wants to do in the future as as a career, then she can do that. So it's absolute perfect partnership uh, to be working with them. So I'm really excited about ah, it. Brilliant. Now, you, you, we've talked a little bit about the, about the RHS and I know you've been talking a little bit about doing a Chelsea Flower Show garden. First of all, the RHS has a campaign for school gardening. So how do you sort of dovetail with that? And second, what are you going to be doing at Chelsea if you are? Yeah, like again, once again, like I'm really open to working with different organisations with um, the School Success Plan. We've had conversations with the RHS, it's just not really gone anywhere. And I think um, what they do already with schools is amazing. Do I think that this plan would um, be a benefit and, and be something that would be really great for the schools? Well, yeah, of course I do. It's just it's, it's sometimes, you know, a little bit difficult to make things happen but we'll see what happens in the future uh with the 
uh, School Garden Success Plan and RHS Schools for Garden because I do think they do great stuff. I just uh, would maybe like to see them support teachers just a little bit more. But, you know, that's me being a negative a little bit. But, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, with the Chelsea thing, if I'm at the time of recording, I still don't know if I'm going to do it yet, but I've, I have put a design in for... Um, the balcony guns, you know the balcony guns they did yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, which I thought, if I'm honest with you, on my own podcast, I, I thought they were a little bit too big, but coming away and designing one recently, you know, it's, it's not always, uh, Chelsea's not always about uh, big gardens, it's about taking ideas that you can use in your own garden, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, so I've designed... A balcony garden fingers crossed i don't know matt i don't know maybe they're not happy about me doing the director general thing and they won't let me do it but i've designed an amazing little kids garden and uh balcony which uh, i think is amazing and um you know we'll, we'll see what happens it, the main reason was because i made a a book i, I created my own um how to get kids garden and book which had loads of different ideas in it which you could make with your children and I did it in now my old garden because I've moved, but I did it in quite a. I was quite lucky where I lived to have quite a large garden to be able to do it in. And I did keep getting asked, "Can you do it in like a small garden or or even on a balcony?" And I wanted to prove that you can in any space create a kids and a family garden, whether it's a balcony, even just a little courtyard. You can make it into a family and child-friendly space. So that's the idea of the Chelsea Garden. We'll keep our fingers crossed, Matt, for it. No, my fingers crossed too. Now, just listening to your podcast and reading the website, you've been talking recently about the Garden Mafia. I was like, crikey, that sounds exciting. What is it all about? <laughs> and uh, I mean, basically it's saying that the, the some of the businesses who supply the garden centres, tell me if I'm wrong, I've got them kind of over a barrel because they say, unless you buy peat of us, we won't supply you with anything else. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. So what happened was, this. I've been talking about this for a few years now, and um, and the reason that I got into it was because we did a show, we do a phone-in show on, on my podcast. Someone called in who used to work in a garden centre and basically said uh, they wanted to sell peat-free a lot more, but a certain brand wouldn't allow that to happen um, because they wanted to sell their, their peat compost. And if they said to them that if they did start selling too much peat-free, that they'd pull all of their other products from the shelves, which basically... It sounds like quite a harsh, quite a harsh threat, really. Um, so that that's what we found. And then the more we get into it, and the more bits and bobs come out in the news, it sort of seems like it could be true. I don't, I don't know. I think it's a tough one, isn't it? It could be conspiracy, and we all have a little bit of conspiracy, don't we? But I do sometimes feel like there could be other things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that are stopping Pete Free from happening. I don't know. No, no, I've never heard that, but yeah, I suppose it could, suppose it could <laughs> yeah. be. I mean, I see a lot of um, stuff on social media, like sort of uh, peat-free stuff, which is like not very well informed, but like, uh, no, I mean, it could be true. And uh, last, you know, very recently, there's been a consultation where DEFRA basically said they're going to stop 
garden centres are selling peat from 2024. So whether companies want them to sell peat or not, they're not going to have the option by then, by the looks of it. But we'll see because that's still that consultation is still out. Um, yeah, well, and you know, I've been in I've been in this for ten years, and, we, and ever since I I started getting into gardening, it's been talked about. So hopefully, we'll see what happens. But fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, been around for a long time, and but it does seem to be reaching a reaching a crescendo. And uh, Garden Press event, which is uh, an event which is held in London annually um, when there's not COVID around, um, it's quite, quite coming up quite soon. And um, there won't be many companies promoting peat then to garden journalists, because I would say the amount of garden journalists which are fans of peat, I would say, you know, in a minority of about 1%. But um, anyway, you're, you're quite big at the Garden Press event. What have you got going on there? Um, I'm well excited for going for I always love the going press event because it's always a good place to go to um you know, see old friends over you know, winter seems to be a quiet time um where you don't really see a lot of people and the garden press event seems to be one of those things that sort of kicks everything off. So it's it's nice because you I'm all about collaboration and working with people and and you know, a lot of ideas gets bounced around at that event, which is nice. You get to to see the uh, the different brands that you may want to work with in the future, and see what's new, see what's the same. But you know, you never know; there could be something new on the horizon. So, so yeah, I love the Garden Press event. It's always a good one. Um, this year, obviously, because with the School Garden Success Plan, again, over the last ten years, I've worked with a lot of different brands, and some are great, some don't quite work uh, as they should, and so. It was nice to have that experience with different products and equipment that we could add to the School and Success Plan to uh, make sure it's a success. So we're working with uh, you know people like VeggiePod and Cream and Tools and uh, and uh, um, Mother Gills as well, which is is very um, good to be able to see them and say thank you and thanks for being part of it. And we've got like a little oh, I invite you, Matt. You can come to our little VIP darts competition after party like darts yeah i'll go there yeah yeah yeah, yeah no i was at alexander palace recently for the darts i like I like some darts yeah yeah. there we go yeah so we're going to do a bit of that and uh and yeah just you know it's just nice it's just nice not just the darts obviously the actual event is great too um it's just nice to see people and uh and have some conversations no no it's definitely a useful event for the industry and there's probably some tv stars there and i did a list of my top tv stars in gardening quite recently and you were in it lee so have you got any tv lined up what tv what tv have you done and what tv are you going to do oh yeah i'm well excited this year mate um i am working back working for cbbc again and bbc teach and we're actually filming this week in birmingham we're doing some bits for the uh, you know the green planet with david attenborough wow. Uh, I'm not actually with David Attenborough. That is, uh, that would be amazing. I, you'd know about that. That's for sure. That'd be the first thing I said today. Yeah, yeah. But we're we're filming um, bits for the educational side, so it goes out to primary schools and uh, and out on the TV. Where um, yeah, we, we're looking at how plants are grown and and how they're pollinated and all them sort of things. So it's really it's great to be doing telly again. It's really good to be doing like more of the educational side. Obviously. Before I did like Blue Peter and How To Makes, but this is really, um, really good to to get into schools once again and and make that happen. I think like being um, getting gardening into schools is really important because you know there's a there's a big generation of parents 
who don't really garden. Like I know a lot of my friends don't really garden with their kids. So if they're gardening at school, then they're going to take that education back home with them and hopefully at the weekend do a little bit of gardening as pair with their parents. So um, so yeah, so yeah, it's good to be uh be doing a bit of that, Matt. I I, I do enjoy it and. You know, it's it's um it's good for the ego. Let's be honest. That's what it's really good for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you. I think, you know, I think you know it's a it's a it's a brilliant thing, and you know, I'm I'm going to look forward, look out for you, and look forward to seeing you on on TV and and in all uh, broadcast mediums. Now, just before we finish, I want to just move over overseas for a bit. You've been doing work in Japan. That's a, that's a sort of big country for you. Tell us about Japan. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. it's funny you mentioned. I tell you why I. I I've been talking about Japan recently is because, you know, this year especially, um, I've sort of changed up what I'm doing and, and, you know, you mentioned the TV stuff and I do love doing the TV stuff. Um, but you know, the school stuff and getting to schools is, is feels so much more important. So this year, even though I am doing TV, I'm not massively concentrating on it. So it feels like this is, I'm changing as a, as a person, as a, as a father, as a, someone in the industry maybe and so me and my brother actually sat down and talked about the past uh 10 years of what what we've been doing together and and also not together and one of those things we talked about was japan we went to japan a a few years ago now matt and um and we designed a garden uh over there for something at the time was called the Garden and World Cup. Did you ever hear of it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know you'd done that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I know. I can't. We couldn't believe it either. Even when you, if you listen back to the podcast that went out recently, we couldn't believe it either. But that's the reason you might have heard about it. That's why the reason we've been talking about Japan is just because we've been looking back over the past um, past few years. Because, like I said at the start, you never really know. Oh, I never even knew this was going to be a career for me when I first started gardening let alone have gone to Japan and, and done the tally stuff. And uh, and yeah, like over the last 10 years, it's um, it's all built up to this school garden success plan. I think that's, it's um, it's all come back to that, yeah. So it's it's nice really, Matt. I, I feel really good from it. Well, that's a great race to round things up. Now, uh, at Whole Week Podcast, we always finish by asking people, it might be in a little island near Japan, what plant would you take to a desert island if you were stranded out there? Is there any particular plant that you'd uh, you'd plump for? Yeah, I never understand why no one says like a vegetable or anything like that. I I think like a chili would be the best. A chili plant would be the best plant to take with a, a jalapeno, as I call them, or, or jalapeno to everyone else, uh, <laughs> would be the best thing because if you're going to take any plant with you, you want something that's going to like make something taste nice, right? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's my that's my plant, chilies. Then and also chilies were the first thing that really got me into garden. That was the first thing on my allotment that I started to grow. So so it feels it feels right to um to say that. But yeah, you know, vegetables are for me a must have, surely. Ah, definitely a good a good option, the jalapeno. Let's go with that then. Brilliant. Okay, well thanks very much to Lee Connolly, the skinny jean garner, and um I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and um this has been the Horticulture Week Podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe to or follow Horticulture Week Podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform. And if you're interested in producing a podcast with Hort Week, contact me, Matthew.appleby at haymarket.com. And once again, Thanks to Lee and goodbye till next time.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.